Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Are you guys ready for the word today? Hey, come on. God has a word for you. If you want to receive it today, come on, lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. You believe God has a word for you today. I believe God wants to speak to you no matter where you're at. I believe that you're in the house of God, and if your ears are open to hear, your eyes are open to see, God has a word for you today. But who brought their Bible this morning? Uh, you bring it, uh, bring it in the house of God. It's important to read your Bible. It's on your phone. That's okay. That's great. That's fantastic, actually. I love reading my Bible on my phone because I don't always have my sword with me. That's the Bible. Sometimes people refer to it as a sword, you know, but I got it on my phone now, and so I can read it wherever I go. But if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, we're going to be talking about Peter. We're going to continue in the life of Peter, which we opened up the first week of January, and then we talked about even at the flagship commons. When we took over that, we had that as our group discussion. That was fantastic. And last week, we had Pastor Phil Pringle in the house. He's able to share a powerful word into the, house of our, into the lives of our church. And now we're going to be concluding the New Year Who Dis, uh, talking about Peter and we're almost going to have a synopsis of his life of following Jesus in this sermon. So pray for me. We got 33 minutes and 40 seconds to be able to talk through the life of Peter. You know, I mean, how that'd be really tough. Imagine if someone tried to do that for your life. You know, I mean, I'd be like, ah, well, I'm not going to do it full justice, but I'm going to try. So John chapter 21, as you're turning there, I want to highlight next week. Say next week. Oh, that was weak sauce. Come on. Say next week. Hey, next week, 6 p.m. right here in the house, we are having our prayer encounter night as we conclude our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Why don't you come join us? Come join us. We're going to take a moment to worship God, stand in the gap of behalf of the city, but also pray, pray for people. So if you're in this place and you're like, man, I really need some prayer, I mean, that's always available, always available. You come up to anyone, directors, pastors, whatever it may be, just, that's a great thing, actually. Hey, I need some prayer. And being able to ask people and be able to share, I need some prayer. But especially next Sunday night, 6 p.m. right here, we're going to be praying for some people. We're going to stand in the gap on behalf of the city. We're going to pray for the city. We're going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray for our world. We're going to pray for each other. Amen? Amen. John chapter 21. John chapter 21. We find that Peter just jumped out of a, a boat, swam up to Jesus. They ate some food. And we pick up right here in 21 verse 15. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son, like asking me the same question again. I mean, I already told you. Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I want to be able to talk to you on this last collection, last series and collection of talks, New Year Who Dis. If you're taking notes in here, write this down. When weakness meets your maker. When your weakness meets your maker. Let's pray today. God, we thank you for your word. It's true. 
sharper than a double-edged sword. So right now, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here today. Have your way in us. Transform our lives. God, speak through me. Open our ears to hear. Open our eyes to see you, to receive what you have for us today. God, we pray for every single person that came in there, that in here today, that they would encounter you and they would leave here changed, have a new perspective, have a godly perspective, God, and have a godly calling upon their life. God, we thank you. And right now, church, just open up your hands like you're ready to receive something. And say these words after me with some boldness and some conviction and some expectation. Open up your hands and say these words. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together for the word of God today. All right, I want to ask you guys all a question. Now, some people, this may not apply, and they say in speaking one-on-one, you want to try to ask a question that applies to everyone. So this is kind of breaking the rules, but it works. So if you have your driver's license in here, I want you to raise your hand. All right, fantastic. All right, put your hand down. All right, now this is a kind of a little bit more uh, a pressing question, not pressing question, but personal question. Um, if you failed taking your driver's exam and you did not get your driver's license on the first time, raise your hand. That's me. That's me. That's about maybe a third of the room. That's me. I, 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 I ace the written exam. I mean, how many, how many of you guys all ace the written exam? But I failed the practical exam. But I thought I did a pretty good job. You know, when you get your learner's permit, you have to log 50 hours in the state of Nebraska. 50 hours for you to get your driver's license at 16. Well, when I turned 16, it's like one of the most exciting times of your life. Am I right? Say Freedom right? Freedom. It's like, I'm going to be able to go wherever I want. Well, I don't have my own car yet, I guess. You know, I mean, how many 16-year-olds have their own car? It's usually their parents' car. So it's kind of like, kind of freedom, but not really freedom. It's like, you know, I think it's good freedom. You're able to drive by yourself. But I remember the day where I couldn't drive to the DMV by myself. Why? Because I don't have my driver's license yet, right? So my parents dropped me off, and they're just sitting in the lobby. They say, go, you child, your destiny awaits. They didn't walk me up there. They just said, hey, that's where you go. Go take the class, and then you'll, have to, you'll be coming out here later to drive. All right. Well, I, I did a lot of studying leading up to that uh, uh, class, and uh, I'll tell you what. I'm not sure if I got 100% because they didn't really tell me. They just said, either you pass or you fail. And after I turned it in, I'm waiting with eager expectation, and they tell me the good news. Everyone wants to hear, you've passed. But now comes the practical exam. I thought I was an expert in driving, and I get into the car, and uh, the teacher comes out, and he sits down. He doesn't say anything. He puts on his seatbelt, and he says, drive. I'll tell you where to go. I'm like, hi, my name's Eli. I'm trying to get my driver's license. Great to meet you. And keep in mind, he... Uh, we, all, we both got in, and he, the first thing he looked to see if I put my seatbelt on, with I passed that, I passed that test. But I can remember, I can remember the exact route that we took. We came out, and he just says, all right, now turn left. And he doesn't give you a whole lot of, of notice. You know, you're supposed to turn on your blinker and give like 100 feet, you know, something like that before you turn. And he would just say, turn right. And then all of a sudden, he would just start writing things down. And you all know that if your teacher is writing things down, it, it's not encouraging words like, has such a great attitude. Hands, 10 and 2. They don't write that stuff down. They write other stuff down. And I got through the whole neighborhood. I came around and I came back into the DMV area. And he said, you failed. You can come back next week or, or next time and you can try again. And I remember asking him, I said, well, where did I fail? 
He said, well, right at the beginning, you went over a double wide, a, a striped whited line without using your blinker. And then as we went into the neighborhood, you were speeding in a school zone. I will tell you, the first one is not an immediate failure, but the second one is. One mile an hour over the speed limit, and you're done. And I took that in, into consideration. So <laughs> the next time I tried, I was going five miles under the speed limit the entire time just so that I didn't fail. But I went back, and then, and then I, uh, I, I did my, my driver's portion, and I passed that time. Everyone say amen, amen, you know, right? I mean, if you failed, though, you didn't give up, right? You tried again. I mean, how foolish would it be for you to fail your driver's exam and immediately take on that identity saying, man, I'm such a failure. No, you get up and you try again. But I had some great examples just to kind of put you in that perspective and put you in my window. I wanted to see how well I would be because that was about 15 years ago, how good I could remember those written exams. How many of you guys think you could pass a test if you took it today? No? Thank you for your honesty. Well, let's see. We actually have some questions for you. We'll throw up the first one. It says, if you park facing uphill where there is no curb, set the parking brake on and A, turn your wheel towards the edge of the road, B, turn your wheels away from the edge of the road, or C, keep your wheels facing straight. How many of you guys think A? A, all right. How many of you guys think B? All right, and give me a C, all my C people here, just straight, throw the parking brake on. If you park facing uphill where there is no curb, you turn your wheels towards the edge of the road. It's A. You turn your, keep in mind, no curb. No curb. I got this one wrong. All right, let's go to number two. What do we got for number two? Okay. Using a handheld wireless communication device to retype or send written communication, otherwise known as your phone, but they just want to cover all their bases, while operating a motor vehicle is A, a primary offense, B, a secondary offense carrying a fine between $50 and $100. C, a secondary offense fined $200 to $500. Or D, not a traffic violation in Nebraska. This is the state of Nebraska. How many think A? Good people. Oh, we got some. How many think B? Good, good. How many think C? All right. And then D? D. I thought it was C, but it's not. It's actually B. So I got that one wrong, too. They, they added that after I got my driver's license. So I'm qualified to be able to drive a car, a vehicle, right now. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. All right, some of you guys might like this one. This is more suggestive for some people. Uh, what do speed limit signs indicate? One, a potential driving speed for the area. Two, the maximum or minimum speed that is legally allowed to be driven. C, the speed drivers should drive in heavy traffic. D, the speed drivers should drive under poor conditions. How many think A? All right, where might B? Well, there we go. How about C? That's some. You just raise your hand for every single one. <laughs> and D. D, all right, we voted again. All right, it's actually B, so you pass that one. You pass that one. I got two more for you guys, so... Uh, right now, if I was taking the test, I've missed two out of three. So the next one. You are approaching an intersection where a traffic signal is displaying a steady yellow light. If you have not already entered the intersection, you should speed up to beat the red light. All my aggressive drivers said, hey, man. <laughs> Reduce your speed and proceed carefully through the intersection. All my passive and, and cautious drivers do that. 
and then come, or C, come to a safe stop. How many think A? A, all right. B, B and C. All right, it's C. C is come to a safe stop. I actually got this wrong too. I like, something was messing on with my brain because I, I put B for some reason. Like, yeah, you just slow down and you slowly go. That doesn't make any sense. But for some reason, I hit B. All right, here's the last one. Here's the last one. In a vehicle equipped with airbags, the safest place for children age 12 and under to ride is in the front seat, the back seat, the bed of a pickup truck. This is an actual question. How many think A? B? C? All my county folks say C. It's actually B. And hey, if you got most of those right, how about you guys all give yourself a round of applause here today, huh? Well, you see, I took that test, and now there's not just five questions. There's about 40 or 50 questions on the exam that I took online. And when I took that test, I, I, I failed pretty significantly. And it kind of made me think, am I not a good driver? Now, I'm a great driver, says everyone about themselves all the time. We're all great drivers. Then where are the bad drivers? Oh, well, they're out there. They're out there. <laughs> all the good drivers go to my city church. I would consider myself a good driver, but I couldn't pass the test. But just because I failed the test doesn't mean that I don't know how to drive, right? I could do the practical exam all day, but not the written exam. And the thing about doing an exam is that I didn't just learn how to drive and just know right away. I had to actually try and try again. I had to keep trying. I had to keep learning you don't just get your driver's license right away. You have to learn. You have to log in hours. You have to actually execute. It's a skill more than it is a knowledge. Now, you can learn through a learner's permit and driving with a, a, an older person in the car, or you can learn, like, on need for speed, like I did. You ask me, bro, I know how to drift in a front-wheel drive car. Just ask everyone that was at fireworks since in July. It's a long story. I'll share it some other time. It'll be worth it. But everyone has something that they come against in life, and you can't let it become your identity if you fail. Because you got up and you took your driver's license again, like I did. I, I took my license again. I didn't find my identity in my failure. But I want to ask you this question. You may have kept doing your driver's license and may have tried that again, but what happens in your head when you fail God? What happens in your head, in your heart, when you fail God? What's going through your mind? And I want to be able to highlight Peter's life. Peter, Jesus is talking to him, and he's saying, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And it's the third time, the third time that Peter hears that, that his heart aches. He says, God, you know all things. You know that I love you. In order to understand Peter's pain and his ache at that moment, you got to understand where he's finding the disappointment. And to see Peter's pain at this moment meant that he was still living with the disappointment and the failure that he had a few verses back. And we're going to share that in Matthew chapter 26. Now, this is right before Jesus was crucified. Peter was going to kind of check it out, see what's going on. And, and when Jesus is being interrogated, interrogated, question. <laughs> now, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. 
Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know what, I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing were, went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't blank and know the man. That's my interpretation when they're talking about curses. I don't really see a curse in just, I, I would think it's like the Bible, so they're like, well, maybe we should yeah, read the amplified version. <laughs> Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. That's Peter's story. That's why Jesus said three times, do you love me? And Peter, right at that moment, remembered his, his shortcoming. He remembered where he failed God. Now, in our lives, we all have different things, but we can't give up when we fail. Imagine if we all gave up the moment that we failed anything. I mean, you had to learn how to walk somehow, Unless some of y'all came out of your mother's womb and you're just able to, I mean, God save mom, you know, if that was the case. <laughs> you had to fail at walking. You failed at eating. As a kid, you were always spitting up. Just ask your dad. Just ask your mom. Just ask them. You're always spitting up. You failed at using the toilet. Just ask your dad. Just ask your mom. They'll have all sorts of stories for you. I mean, I'm just experiencing that right now, so I thought it would have entertained some parents a little bit more than what it did. Am I the only one that had to clean up poop off of the floor? I guess so, walls? <laughs> we got someone saying walls? <laughs> but we never gave up as kids, right? We never gave up trying to become better than what we were. We never gave up. You never gave up as a child, but who taught you to give up as an adult? You never gave up as a kid, but who taught you to give up as an adult? You see, that's the thing about failure, is that failure causes us to stop, and we start to question if we can even do it, and it causes us to internalize our inadequacies. I can't do it. I'm not enough. I'll never be enough. I'm not smart enough, strong enough, good enough good looking enough. I don't know enough about the Bible to talk to this person about Jesus. Well, once I get my life together, then I can witness. Well, once I get my whole life together, then maybe I can make a difference in my work, my family, my church. Maybe I can actually be a good dad once I, you know, once I stop working so much because we're all battling different things and we all have different things that are going on in our lives. But who taught you to give up as an adult? And as we start to own our inadequacies, it starts to become our profession. I will never be. I will never be a good enough dad. Or I'll, be, I'll never have enough money. I will never get out of death. Be careful what you let come out of your mouth. And it's different. Like, like I'm all for positive confession. Don't get me wrong. But in, like negative confession over your life, be careful what you say about your marriage. Be careful what you say about your friendships. Be careful what you say about your education. You know, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Be careful what you say about your marriage. Well, God says that it's not good for any man, to, for a husband and wife to separate. It doesn't say that. It says that. So be careful what you say about your marriage, about your kids. 
he's never gonna figure out math. We've all had that conversation. I was told that I would be, I wouldn't be able to, I, I had to learn algebra and the equations on paper because I would never have a calculator wherever I went. Well, we know that. But I'm experiencing this right now. Like, don't get me wrong, life's full of all sorts of difficulties and hardships and hard. But when you see something, don't succumb to the level of what you've seen, but speak to it to the level of what God has spoken over your family, over your marriage, over your kids. You gotta be able to get a godly revelation because Proverbs 18, 21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruits. Now this isn't like a name it, claim it type thing, but watch what you say, you know? I'm gonna speak life into my marriage. I'm gonna speak life into my kids. I'm gonna speak life into my friends. I'm not gonna be a person that's just going around saying, yeah, life's just horrible. You know, yeah, but with the vaccine again, or yep, COVID again, yep, shut down again, yep, masks again. I understand, it's actually a little bit tempting to go around and talk about that stuff. But do you see what it's doing to your anxiety, to your heart? Do you see what it's doing? That's when the Bible's talking about the fruit, the fruit. And this is what I've seen is that when we internalize our inadequacies, we start to see our weaknesses and we see that they are, we think that they are limiting them, limiting us from God using us. We look at our inadequacies and we think those weaknesses limit us from God using us because we all want God's will for our lives, right? I mean, who wants God's will for their life? Oh, come on. Oh, y'all lying if you didn't raise your hand. I mean, I'm not forcing you to raise your hand. If you don't, hey, that's fine. Hey, you're in a great place right now. I hope that God speaks to you, and I believe he will. But we want God's will for our lives. We want that in our lives. So we look at these shortcomings, and we, we try to change them, and we try to control them, and we try to present just a certain side of us So because it might disqualify us. If, we're, if, if I have this thing and people find out about it, then maybe I won't be able to be as effective as I could be because ultimately I know the real me. I know my weakness, I know my shortcoming, I know my inadequacies, because we all are faking it to an extent. We all have something. I got my stuff. I got my stuff. I can just be the first person to say it, that here I am trying to preach the word of God to you when I have anxiety, when I have fear, I have hurt, I have, um, I have all sorts of, I have anger. That's a big thing for me. If you're around me, should I drop the mic? Should I just go? Oh, next perfect person. What I find is that the gap of who you are and what you want to accomplish can be outstanding. And if you let your inadequacies control your outcome, what I find is that we'll never see the grace of God to the fullest extent that we can. And what I find is that when we see our weaknesses, and because we, we all know the real us, the person behind the mirror or behind the curtain, I should have brought up a curtain on the stage or maybe a mirror or something on people to be able to show them, because we all know the real us, and we let the real us control what we go after. And we start to ask the question, am I qualified for this? Am I qualified to be a good enough dad? You ask that question. Now, you should ask that question, ultimately, especially if you're driving a car. 
You should. I'm just gonna just see what happens. You should. That is a healthy question to ask yourself. Am I qualified for this? Especially if you're flying a plane. I mean, just imagine if you're in the, the seat and over the intercom you hear, this is your captain speaking. This is Timmy. I woke up this morning and I saw the plane just taken off. And I said, I like planes. What would it be like to fly those planes? So here I am. I am alone in the cockpit. And you know what? I'm going to get a shot. So buckle your seatbelt because we're going to wing it. Pun intended. I mean, if you could, you have to ask yourself that. But what I find is that in our lives, we tend to overestimate our shortcomings and underestimate our giftings. We overestimate where we lack. And I want to be able to give you a perspective today that maybe the fact that you do not measure up isn't a deal breaker. Maybe the fact that you do not measure up isn't a deal breaker. Because I know a Jesus that called out 12 ordinary men. He didn't call out the Pharisees, the most qualified, the Sadducees. He didn't call out any of them. He called out 12 ordinary men. Some were fishermen. Some were tax collectors. They were all doing something. Some people think, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. God's going to show up and call me out. Say, hey, come follow me. When Jesus calls people that are doing something, he calls people that are moving, putting their hands to work, saying, you know what? I may not know everything that God has for my life, but I know he's given this in my hand, and I'm going to work at that. When did God call Elisha? While he was plowing the field. When did the apostle Paul, also known as Saul, when did he get called by Jesus? <laughs> this will rock your boat on his way to Damascus to persecute the church. I think God looked at that and said, that's a guy that I can use. So he was doing something that was persecuting the church, killing Christians. It doesn't say that he personally killed them, but there's good solid evidence that they would die. They would get brought up in trial and they would die. And God calls him out of that. So you know, it's, know today that God doesn't call people because of their ability because of their availability. It's their availability. And God is far less intimidated by your disqualifications than you are. But we try to tell God what he can do and what he can't do. And what God can do through other people and what he can't do through other people. Well, yeah, so-and-so, you know. Now, this isn't an excuse for righteous living. We should all be pursuing God. This isn't an excuse just to throw everything aside. This isn't an excuse to sin. I'm talking about your weakness. I'm talking about that thing that is going on in your life where you're saying, you know what? I feel like this just disqualifies me. Like who qualifies you? Who qualifies us? And one of the most qualified men in all of the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 3, 5. He said, it's not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification from, from, comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. Take that down. Let me share with you another verse that, that Paul shares in Philippians. We don't have it on the screen here, but I wanted to share with you today. Philippians 3, 3 verse 4. I have myself reasons for having such confidence. This is Paul talking. If anyone thinks he has more reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the, eighth tri of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, 
a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness on my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to obtain the resurrection from the dead. This is Paul talking. And we keep looking at your, your shortcomings. Paul's saying, I'm the most qualified person. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is the most qualified person saying, has the most qualifications and saying all of that's rubbish. So I hope that can speak to us today and that we can see that it is God that qualifies us. See, we think that God can use us once we get our act together. Well, once I get my act together, then God can use me. We think, new year, who dis? Now God can use me. New year, new me. You know what, how I look at it? New year, I still got this. God, can you use it? I still question my ability my ability to parent, my ability to make a difference in my school, my work. God, can you use this? Now remember, Jesus is talking to Peter. Peter, who used to be called Simon. Peter, who used to be called Simon. Because God sometimes will change your name. He won't change your past. He'll change your name and point you to a future. And he says, I actually want to use that. I actually want to use that because I can see how I can exchange beauty for ashes. And if you could do it all your own, on your own without God, who gets the credit? I feel like in our lives, sometimes we think that we can get, once we get it all figured out, then God can use me. And we're actually, that's a prideful thing because we're thinking that it's about me. But Jesus, Jesus points us out to, Matt, and to Peter in Matthew chapter 16. It's not about you. It's not about you. He asked Peter, he said, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed. Because when we get this revelation that it's not about us, but it's actually about Jesus, the son of the living God, you are blessed. We are blessed when we realize that. Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. I pray that's the case, that we are following Jesus and the Holy Spirit together as a community. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. Before Dwayne the Rock, there was Peter the Rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. What is this rock that he's talking about? Is he talking about Peter the person? He's not talking... He's not talking about Peter the person. He's talking about the revelation that Peter received. That it's not about me. That it's about Jesus. This is the Christ, the son of the living God, came God incarnate to save people from their sins. That's what he's saying I will build my church on. More than a method, personal preference. It's about Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God. 
And I feel like Jesus was showing Peter here who he was, who he is, and who in Christ he can become. And that's this message for you today, because we all know who we are, who we were, and we know who we are. Sometimes we lack the ability, the perspective to be able to see who in Christ we can become. See, we all know like what Jesus would do because Jesus would speak things and Jesus would do things. But what do you think Jesus says about you? He says, you are, you are now Peter. You are now Peter. You did that, but you're not it. I know what happened, but that's not your identity. That's not who you are in Christ. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus sees your weakness as a shortcoming or does he see it as an opportunity? Because God wants to work through your weakness. He's got a few more verses to share with you today. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. This is God talking to Paul. Remember, qualified Paul. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want you to grab hold of this today that we, we approach God as thinking, well, when I'm no longer weak, then God can use me. Well, that's not what I see here. He, Paul's saying in the middle of it, in the middle of it, God wants to use it. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Not when I stop being weak, not when I get it all together, but God is saying, when you are weak, that is where my grace is perfect. Right then and there. Because God came to rescue us from our sins, not so that we could have our whole lives perfectly put together. Now don't get me wrong, the Bible says, be holy for I am holy. But it's a journey that we're all on in pursuing God and walking with God and knowing God. And he says, be concerned more with knowing me than about where you lack. Understand that your weakness is not all that God has to work with. It's what he wants to work with. He wants to work through that. He wants to work through that. See, P Jesus, when he said, Peter, do you love me? He wasn't reminding Peter of his failure. He was reminding him of his purpose. Because Peter re reflected and said, this is who Jesus is, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then he falls and then he stumbles. And then he's living in this weakness of denying Jesus. And Jesus points back to him, hey, remember that, that revelation that you had of who I was. Walk in that. Walk in that. And I love the fact that I feel like God's grace, God's, the way that God works in our lives is that the moment we accepted him into our lives, he knew what he was getting into. Why would God fail you? Why would he give up on you? Because Jesus knew about Peter's failing before it even happened. And he still called him. The difference between Peter and Judas is one came back to Jesus. Peter came back to Jesus. So I want us to take a moment, and this is where I want to highlight today, if you can stand to your feet. 
Jesus asked Peter, he said, who do you say that I am, right? And then he said, Peter, do you love me? It's important to know who Jesus is in your life, who Jesus is to you, but also what you're called to continue keep doing. He says, do you love me? Come follow me. Do you love me? Come follow me. So if you're in this place and you're thinking, man, I don't even know who Jesus is. He says, well, hey, that's perfectly fine. Just come follow me. And I know a God that he, when he looks at our shortcomings, he's not there just pointing all of them out, but he's there to bring purpose in the midst of it. So if you're in this place and you're thinking, I don't know who Jesus is, this is a great opportunity. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to lift up your hand because I, I wanna introduce you to my best friend and my God and the Lord of my life who changed my life. I know what he did in my life. Shoot, when I was 17 years old, I can't deny that. I should be dead. I should be dead. And Jesus showed up in the middle of my life and he wants to show up in the middle of your life right now. So if you're in this place and you're saying, I wanna know who this Jesus is. Depression was, was owning my life. I thought there was no way that it could end. And at that moment, that's when God showed up. So no matter what you're walking through today, can I tell you, Jesus is a prayer away. One prayer away. So if you're in this place and you wanna know this Jesus, I'm just gonna ask that you lift up your hand. Lift up your hand, I see your hand. I see your hand back there. If your hand's up, could you put it up again? I just and lift it up high so I don't miss anyone here. Awesome, I see your hand, I see your hand. You guys can put it down now. Hey, and I wanna say a prayer with you and I'm gonna have the entire church pray along with us as a sign of support to those that raise their hand today. And I wanna introduce you to this Jesus. And I don't want you to pray this with your mind or just saying these words, but I wanna pray, I want you to pray it from your heart. Because it's not these words that save us, it's the condition of our heart that says, God, I need you. And so say this prayer after me, say, Lord, I am a sinner in need of a savior. So right now, God, come into my life, become the Lord of my life, forgive me my past, set me free from my present, and speak over me your future for me. And from this day forward, you are my God, and I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you raise your hand, just real simple steps. Keep on coming back. Keep on coming back. Watch how God works. Watch Him work. Get in community. Get plugged in. And watch God how God works in your life. And I want to take a moment also to speak to everyone else, and not everyone else, but just everyone in general in this room. Jesus is asking you the question today that if you love me, he says, feed my sheep. He goes on a little bit further and he talks to Peter and he says, Peter, don't worry about them else and what they're all doing. You follow me. And wherever you're at and, and today in receiving this message, when we say there's nothing more important than being obedient to what Jesus has asked you to do. And following him looks different for everyone. Following him looks like you maybe coming back to church each and every week. Following him maybe looks like signing up for a group. Hello, it's group week. And throughout the entire city. Following him may be attending next classes 15 minutes right after service to see where you can be a part of building this house so that we can reach this city. Following him looks like 
Maybe it looks so simple as you as a dad praying with your family before you go to bed. Maybe it's something so simple as that. And Jesus will speak to you right to what you need. And what I'm asking you today is to be obedient to that voice. Be obedient to that. God's asking you to talk to some people. God's asking you to, to start something. God's asking you to pray with your wife before bed. As a wife, God's asking you to bring it up to your husband and say, hey, I think we need to pray before we go to bed. Be honest, if, if you want him to lead it, then ask him to lead it. But start somewhere, wherever God's asking you to be, I say that we be obedient to that. And watch how God works. Watch how God works, amen. I want you to lift up your hands real quick if you can. And I wanna pray over you today. That you would see, even in the weakness, that we would find our confidence in Christ, not in our own strength, but we would be able to find that in Christ. And so God, I pray for the people of my city church. God, I pray that what has happened in their life, God, that you redeem it. I pray that what the devil meant for evil, God, you can use for good. And so we stand in the gap right now, God, on behalf of the people of my city, and we say, devil, you've had enough. Hands break free. There is no guilt, no condemnation, no shame for those that are in Christ Jesus. And so we say right now, God, speak to our future, God, and what you have in us and for us. God, help us to not get distracted by our past and what we've gone through. God, but help us to have the perspective of heaven and to be able to see that in my weakness I can become strong, that you can turn our inadequacies, God, into strength. God, the testing that we have into testimonies, God. God, I pray that you would work in our lives like never before, that we don't get caught on what we've done. God, but we would focus our eyes on who you are. And so I pray, God, that as we step out, God, to be used by you, we would see you faithful time and time again, that you would open up our eyes to see, I've never left you, I've never forsaken you. In fact, I'm calling you deeper. God, we pray that in Jesus' mighty name. And as we go back into the song to worship, I just want you to reflect on what God speaks over you today. Come on, church, let's worship today. Thank you so much for listening today. And we wanna give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.